All right, welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to bring to you guys a conversation with a man that I have been dying to talk to for the past few weeks. His name is Kevin Connor. Uh, you've probably seen him in the news. He's done some some protesting and activism here in Clay County. Uh, and, and I've got Kevin on the show with me. First, I want to say thank you, Kevin, for spending some time with me. I appreciate it. Uh, I know you're a busy man. Uh, and secondly, Kevin, tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, and, and, and your activism that you do, um, you know, tell us, tell us, tell us who you are. Okay. Um, I'm 43 years old, originally from North Carolina, moved down to Jacksonville two days after I graduated college up there and, uh, have lived in Jacksonville until about a year ago. So I've been in Clay County about a year here in Middleburg now, um, father, family man. And, uh, yeah, businessman, I, I, I had a marketing, sales and marketing business, um, for 10 years that I started on my own, um, out of my house. And I was actually at, uh, at a depressed point in my life, uh, and divorcing and foreclosing on a home. So, um, but I, yeah, so it's not a secret that I exited that business last year. And then, um, uh, my best friend lives in Middleburg cause that's how I ended up here. It's, uh, he's kind of my, he and his family, my family did as well. So yeah, a little background there. Yeah. So how did you get into activism? You know, you're, you're very active trying to bring awareness to a variety of topics. How did you, how did you get into that? What, what drives you to, to do that sort of thing? Um, I don't know. We, I feel like just a statement on human nature. I think that we all have things inside of us that we're just geared towards, um, you know, on top of talents, but, um, inner drives and, uh, uh, John Phillips, the attorney who I didn't know at all, or never heard his name before I was taken to jail that day arrested. Um, but now as my attorney calls it the justice bug. And he says kind of like once the justice bug has bitten you, um, <clears throat> it doesn't let go. It's hard for it to let go. But I've always, um, I don't know. I've always had a sense of like, like if you see a wrong right in front of you, taking care of it. Right. So if that's, you know, a man smacking his child too hard. I would be the person like, whoa, what's going on? Right in public, right? Um, so it's uh, the activism, I think, comes from just an inner drive where it's just I can't not address something that I see as a wrong. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that, that's uh, you know, I'm the same way. The, the Clay County Beacon yeah. you know, podcast and website, I, I just see things going on in our county that it seems like nobody, either nobody knows that they're happening mm-hmm. uh, or, or nobody, you know, is taking time to, 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 you know, sort of care about the things that are happening. So, you know, I, I wouldn't compare myself to you. I'm not out doing protests just because mainly I don't have time. Um, yeah. You know, but, but uh, you know, I, I have the same sort of a drive. Like I want people to see what's going on so they can understand what's happening and, and you know, sort of drive people towards yeah. doing better, right? And I think that that's what I see in you now. You know, there's a lot of hullabaloo, right? You know, <laughs> people online, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. they either, you, you know, the sort of things that you do and, and I think the, the things that you're talking about are, are very polarizing, right? Either people are all about it yeah. or they want to be very dismissive and sort of negative about what you're doing. Um what what sort of activism? I guess what topics? What societal issues do you see that that are you, that you're most passionate about right now? Like, what are the things that you're primarily focused on at this point? Okay, well, let me give a brief history. For six and a half years, um, <clears throat> I've been on the police brutality, uh, police overreach, militarization, and violence and abuse train. So I started. I kind of stumbled upon that on Facebook. 
probably six, six and a half years ago. And that I've been also, and I give that background because, um, you know, what, why are we doing this? The activism, what, why am I doing it? Is Black Lives Matter the movement? And there's a massive distinction between the organization that the right narrative tries to attach to the actual international civil rights movement. But the movement is twofold. It is, um, you know, systemic racism. So that's racism in all facets of the U.S., like housing, uh, government, schooling, excuse me, housing, uh, schooling, definitely criminal justice, that there is racism kind of, use the term, baked in into the system. Um, and then the second part is what I just referenced, and that is um, all these things, police brutality, overreach, militarization. And that is actually, you know, two, that's, that's number two, and side note on two, is that, you know, people of color do suffer from um, police brutality and overreach and militarization much more so at higher rates, disproportional rates to their population in the U.S. So did, did I answer your question there? Like, what is the purpose? Is that, or do you want to reframe that again? Yeah, I mean, no, I think that's good insight for sure. So it sounds like mm -hmm. the, 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 the issues between society and police and, and sort of the, the culture of policing in America, it sounds like that's that's maybe one of your sort of yeah. main drives. And that's Police what, culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think, yeah. too, you know, a, a little talked about thing um, is on, on the flip side of that, I, I do think uh, politicians sort of drive some of that policy and that culture. And one of the things that they drive, we hear about gun control all the time. Now, uh, you know, I don't know, mm -hmm. you and I have never talked about gun control or anything like that, but, but I can mm -hmm. tell you, you know, I'm very much, you know, I'm, I'm anti-gun control. And one of the main reasons that I am is because literally every gun control law impacts pe people of color and minorities disproportionately to, uh, you know, people who aren't right. Like white people, um, gun laws right. and infringements are inherently racist, and they they many times have been put in place to keep uh, people of color and minorities from accessing and owning weapons. Um, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm of the philosophy that one of the ways that you keep the government very respectful of your rights is if they know that the old adage that the Japanese coined in World War II that there's a you know rifle behind every blade of grass. Um, you know that that makes them think twice before doing things like no knock raids. Um, you know. Mm -hmm. in, you know, mm -hmm. just the general sort of physical abuse that we see coming from police across the country, right? Do you feel like, right. um, do you feel like the, the sheriff's office in Clay County it, it has the same sort of, you know, problems with police abuse of minorities that we see in other mm -hmm. law enforcement agencies? Because that's something I've, I've questioned myself. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how to gauge if, if our um, police force is any better, worse, about the same. Well, I will tell you, um, I didn't think, I didn't have, I never thought of the Clay County Sheriff's Office. I guess everybody here, here calls it CCSO as, as I'm a resident now. Um, do I think they have the same problems? Yes. They have the same problems because they are in the United States. They have the same politicians in Clay County, you know, on a federal level, they, they are, they are living under the laws of the United States as somebody in Sarasota or Raleigh, North Carolina or Indianapolis. Yes. Because it's in the system and it starts with the politician. And then it's down to police academy training. And the first video they watch is this man getting, you know, a cop getting shot. And that's drilled into their head from the very beginning. There's so many systemic problems. But the police, they are taught, like, the you've got to always be on your guard. You're going to, you're, someone's going to shoot at you, right? So it becomes, instead of being a part of the community, come alongside the community to serve and protect, it becomes a separation, a division, and an opposition. So then it goes to, so, and then you have the, once you're in, the culture when you're, you're a policeman, you have this in blue line, right? And it's protected at all costs. And 
anyone who says that there's not all kinds of corruption and hiding and backing each other up there, they've not dug into the issue. And so they're literally ignorant or, which is just means without knowledge or they are so steeped into the culture. They know people, they have friends, family, relatives that are cops that they just, you're going to believe what you're going to believe no matter what the facts say. And then you have police unions as well. So that's a major part of the problem in their relationship with district attorneys. So anyway, all that to say, yes, I think Clay County, just because they're part of the system, they operate, they have district attorneys, they have police unions, all this stuff, right? So they have police, they get, they get the recruits from the same police academy. It's built into the system. So you can't not have these kind of problems. Now, do the very, um, do the variances, like the, the rates of the problem, like how much corruption does it vary between agencies, law enforcement agencies? Yes, of course. But it's such a significant level that you can't just have, I believe it's impossible to have just a few bad apples. And if you, even if you did have just a few bad apples, the other half of that saying is spoils the entire bunch, right? right? So can you have a few bad doctors? No, you're going to replace them. You're not going to let bad doctors operate. But the problem the policing law enforcement, uh, law enforcement culture that we live in is that you can have bad cops and they can get ridden up time and time again. Internal affairs is just a puppet organization that you know, investigating themselves. And what you end up with is even if you do have a cop that's fired, he can go to the next county town municipality over and get hired on the spot. So, I mean, it's a long winded answer, but yes, because Clay County Sheriff's Office in the United States, you know, law enforcement is derived from that system. Yeah, I think there's problems too. And that's number one. Number two is, like I said, after I moved here, I started hearing like the good old boy system, like just people that I was meeting uh, saying like, yeah, Clay County's always had kind of a corrupt deal. Um, that was even before Daniels. Um, uh, as far as shootings, no. And I told, um, I met with Chief Keith Smith Barista, I think is his name, was Keith Smith's boss at the uh, Middleburg substation a couple weeks ago for two and a half hours. And I told him to their face, I'm like, yeah, I think you guys have an excellent record of like, like not, not having deaths, right? Shooting deaths by cops. It's, right. It seems like it's really low. So that's really good. Um, but just that one night I was in jail, um, I met quite a few people and a couple in black and you just hear their stories. That's just, I mean, it's just, we know people of color have it worse. So that is here in Clay County. Sure. Um, now I will, I will be very clear that dirty cops do a lot of dirty cops. They will beat a poor white person just as easily as a person of color. But um, generally speaking and statistically, I think people of color still get it much worse, probably even in Clay County. Yeah. I, I you know, I wouldn't disagree with that either. I, I think they're, you know, it, it's hard for me. I try not to vilify either side. Right. Um, there are systemic right. problems with the way police are taught to interact with the public. Um, so, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, especially here in Clay County, like, uh, you know, I know some of them, um, you know, and I know they're, they're still police officers and they're part of a, of a system, but you sort of see these guys sort of get into it, get into the, the policing system and, and, you know, it's like any other system. It's the same when someone goes to Congress, you can have all the best intentions in the world, but mm -hmm. you know, 99% yep. of the people that go to Congress with wonderful intentions become just another cog in that corrupt machine, you know, that we have up there in Washington. Yeah, it's so a system. It, the mm -hmm. system sort of grinds yeah. you down and it makes you, and I, and I think the ones that, uh, you know, you know, I think the ones that, 
that are good are there, right? There are good cops. I think, I don't think anybody, I haven't even heard anybody in the Black Lives Matter organization or movement say that there aren't good cops, but what they're saying is that the overall system is tainted to the point where, uh, you know, something's got to be done. There's got to be changes that are made. And, and I think like if I was a police officer, I'd be advocating for, for different sort of training that, that doesn't teach because you're exactly right. There is this sort of mindset uh, of who, uh, of uh, teaching cops to be afraid of the public. They're out to get you. They're trying to kill yeah. you. Everyone is evil and bad and wants to murder you. And that's just not the case, right? Are there, you mm-hmm. know, criminals out there who want to do violence? Sure. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are instances mm-hmm. where, where cops may have to actually defend themselves in, in a sort of a rightful way. But I, I just think like the mindset that we have with police has to change. Um, it needs to go back to be more, more of like a keeping the peace mentality rather than enforcing every law and having to bring like violence yeah. against people for like, every, you know, and, and I'm for, you know, people, you know, people on the right Republicans, they tell me all the time that they think I'm, you know, a liberal people that are liberals tell me they think I'm, I'm some sort of wackadoo Republican. But, but one of the things I think mm-hmm. has completely failed over the last 40 years is the war on drugs. Uh, and I think the war on drugs, you know, really has turned into this way to, to sort of oppress, um, you know, anybody who has any sort of marijuana or anything on them, I'm not justifying, you know, if they're someone's breaking the law, whatever they're breaking the law, uh, you know, whatever, but they, they, not every law necessarily requires someone to be locked up or put in a jail immediately. Right. Like, I just think that there's just these fundamental changes that need to be made, but I, but <clears throat> you know, one of the things we've got to do is, um, I think people need to understand that it's not just the cops killing people. That's a problem. The cops don't have to right. murder another human being in order to have uh, really a life. Pro- exactly. Like it's not just yeah. murder. It's, yeah. you know, as we see with our sheriff here, you know, bless his heart. Like the man allegedly used his power as the sheriff to illegally imprison someone. And yes, it was only for a couple of days or, or, or however long she was in until mm-hmm. she, she bailed out. But like just the fact that, that they have that much power to, yeah. you know, and, and think if there had been no watchdogs in our County, if this was, you know, couple of the other counties in this area where, where people aren't really looking at all. Oh yeah. You know, like just think <laughs> yeah. of, of, of how much more he could have gotten away with allegedly. Right. I'll yeah. keep saying allegedly cause I don't want anybody suing me, you know, guilt, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I just think like yeah. the more eyeballs on that sort of thing, the better. And that's sort of how I view you. Um, yeah. So, you know, you showed up in Clay County, what was it? Maybe three, four weeks ago now. Um, you know, oh, it's probably been six, seven at this point when I was standing by myself. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's been, it's been a little while. So, so things started to build momentum, um, right after, uh, Sheriff Daniels put out the video where he, you know, said he'd deputize every lawful gun owner in the County. If people showed up and, and did any sort of protest that he felt were out of line. And, and I've been telling people that I think that the uptick in protests in the County, not to say that they don't have valid reasons to protest, but I think part of the up reason for the uptick is because of that video, the sheriff essentially dared people to come. Oh yeah. Know? And, I, and so. I mean, is that part mm-hmm. of like, did that sort of energize your effort or increase your efforts at all? Like when that video came out? Yeah. Um, so what had happened, I was actually on vacation with my family in home state of North Carolina on a little RV trip. And uh, when, you know, we, we were seeing all these protests nationwide going on for, Black Lives Matter. And I want to be, let me just take a side note here because uh, I want to make sure we cover this. Um, I told you this when we had our first call, like when you're asking to come on. Um, 
this Black Lives Matter movement, I need to be real clear because I, I didn't take the time before to say this because I just thought people were being disingenuous. It took me a long time to learn that people in this community and really all across the country are actually like sincerely in, in, in fear of BLM. Like some people actually, like they believe the Black Lives Matter movement is all about like, let's use their, um, their crazy acronym, uh, burning, looting, murdering, right? right? And destruction of property, violence, violence against people and property. And uh, in my mind, that was just a smokescreen, okay? And that was just a smokescreen. People actually knew that this is a civil rights movement, the largest in the history of this country, larger than the 1960s. This is a civil rights movement. I thought they actually knew that and were just saying BLM or Marxist, communist, take over the country, destroy the country. All this stuff, I thought they were just saying that they were just saying that stuff, and they knew that we have nothing to do with the BLM organization. I know no one. I personally am not in contact or ever have been with anyone from the BLM organization, wherever it's headquartered, uh, and no one that I've ever spoken to has. Um, so we are just part of the BLM movement that is swept, sweeping the whole world, actually, and that is, you know, persistent to end systemic racism and to reform policing in this country. Uh, so I just want to be clear on that. I hope that goes out far and wide to your viewers. Like, uh, you know, I had, had breakfast with a guy, quote, from the other side, a Blue Lives Matter guy, we're friends now, and he was the one that kind of told me, no, Kevin, he's like, we actually think that this is real, that this is like that BLM org is communist Marxism trying to destroy the country. And I was like, okay. And then when I explained to him that, uh, you know, this is who we are and like we are track record, hundred percent peaceful. So you can't dispute that. And he was like, Oh, well then I've got no problem with what you guys are doing. And this is a, you know, quote, blue lives matter guy. But, um, to get back to your question, um, what happened was I was on that vacation and it wasn't even, I was watching monitoring the, like all the country watching these protests along with COVID. And then one morning I woke up and I saw that, um, that CNN reporter had been arrested. Do you remember that? I do remember. Uh, Watch yeah. that live as it yeah, happened. Yeah, he's been shot. Yeah. yeah. So I woke up and saw that, uh, like, post after it happened. And I was like, I said to my girlfriend, what in the hell is going on in this country? Like, our free press now, and it ends up now, there's been over 300, there's a, there's a database, there's over 300 independent journalists that have been, you know, attacked or arrested by, you know, troops, federal, state, local, whatever. Um, that was really the thing that said, I got to do something here. And then we get back and yes, there was this video that had come down. And so there were all these rallies that were going on. I went to the Jacksonville rally downtown. I left like three hours before it got crazy. And then we went on our trip like the next morning. But so there were all these rallies all across the country. And I got back and I heard about the Daniels video. Somebody sent it to me and I watched it. And I thought that honestly, I thought like he's joking because, uh, there's rallies all over the U S of course there's been one in orange park while I was gone. Um, Orange Park's a major suburb of Jacksonville, not like maybe the biggest. Um, and then, because they were all over Kansas, Nebraska, these tiny towns, uh, Montana, why wouldn't they be in this, 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 you know, the biggest city in a county that has 220,000 people? But sure enough, I couldn't find one. So I just thought, well, that's crazy. This guy's here saying, I dare you. And in my mind, like, I guess. Again, either he's pretending with a smokescreen or he actually does believe that Black Lives Matter means destruction. Well, I'm going to go show otherwise. I'm just going to go hold this flag. And so that's what I did. But I just went and held the flag. And from there, it's just like a lot of learning. Um, gosh, a lot of learning about, I honestly, I knew about systemic racism, but I thought 
a lot of overt racism was dead. And being out there, like, wow, really tuned me in the things that people say, um, things thrown at me, spit, screaming, of course, middle fingers repeatedly, and the words that I can't say here, right. like, just showed me that, like, we don't just have a systemic racism problem. We have a very, very alive and deep, overt, in-your-face, non-apologetic racism problem, too. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, to quote uh, the great theologian Kanye West, uh, one of his old songs says, you know, racism <laughs> racism's still alive, they just be concealing it. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and for me it's frustrating, right? Like uh, the what you talked about earlier where people are conflating the concept that, you know, Black Lives Matter, where, where people are saying, listen, you know, people of color are abused and and have the rights trampled on by law enforcement agencies at a, a much higher rate than, than other groups within our population. And that's not okay. We don't want mm-hmm. that to happen. We want that right. to stop with an organization called black lives matter who started out with those same ideals, but then has more, it has morphed into a thing that, that is even to me sort of concerning, right? They have some wild mm-hmm. ideas that I don't think are good or healthy. It's their right to have those ideas. But, but I do think, you know, I, I see exactly what you see. I see, I think from the same people who are, my guess would be from the same people who are, uh, throwing things at you and saying things to you and, and, you know, sort of venting their hatred towards you when they see you protesting or, or the other people that are protesting with you. I think those are the same people who want to sort of lazily dismiss the concept that Black Lives mm. Matter with the organization, right? At least that's been in my very limited personal experience. Um, you know, mm-hmm. me, you know, I'm, I'm very, my wife and I were very active in our local church. Um, you know, I consider mm-hmm. myself a pretty devout Christian. I can't, I can't reconcile allowing the government and, and, you know, police officers are, uh, you know, sort of the enforcers of the law of the government, right? I I can't reconcile allowing the government to abuse certain people or really any people at all. But we see it at a higher rate for one group. I I just can't, I can't reconcile Mm -hmm. my Christian faith with saying, well, that's okay. Whatever the law is the law. It's just not right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so no. for me, uh, you know, I've never, I've never wanted to go out and protest. I understand why people are doing it. Um, I, I even understand to an extent uh, when some protests lead to violence, right? Like you can look back at the mm-hmm. the sort of founding history uh, of our country. You know, the, yeah. the founding fathers, mm-hmm. the you know, the sons of liberty, they weren't just going around, you know, having cordial conversations. Uh, tea. No. right over tea with, yeah. with the, the British folks that were overtaxing them and, and the things they were doing, right. There was violence involved in that stuff. Now I'm not, a, you know, not saying that every, every violent act has been committed no. over the past few months is justified or good, but you know, um, no, no. Well, you know, MLK's quote, um, riots are the language of the unheard. So when all this started going down, the black lives matter movement started growing, but three months ago now, I guess four months ago, um, all we saw, you know, we saw everybody, everybody was posting MLK quotes, right? right? And so you saw that on the right, they were picking and choosing. They were selecting one of the most peaceful quotes. But he also said, riots are the language of the unheard. And yeah, so we have that and then the history of our country, as you say. Am I saying that violence is okay under any circumstance? No, I'm not. I adhere more to Mahatma Gandhi and MLK Jr., John Lewis. These guys um, all came from Gandhi's training, and which have ancient, which have their roots in ancient faiths in the East. So, but 
but it is peaceful, nonviolent. That's what I, I, you know, I, I'm a proponent for 100, percent and that's been evidenced by everything we've done publicly. But, um, but do I understand like you? Yes, I can understand the collective when the when the collective consciousness of a people has been suppressed for so so long. You know, does property damage become an avenue for them to vent that frustration? History shows it does. Yeah, and I, and I tie it back to, you know, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but again, you know, sort of my experience is that I tie it back to um, the people at the highest levels of government, most of them mm-hmm. are career politicians. Most of them don't have actual jobs. Their job is being a politician. They don't have any yep. way mm-hmm. to relate to what it's like to be me or to be you on a daily basis, and they enact these laws mm-hmm that are supposed to be sort of yeah. blanket laws that are supposed to uh, apply to everybody, you know, all 300 million plus people in, in the country when, when they have no concept of what it's like to, to live the life of a, of an average daily citizen. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that systemically what, what you see, and, and I think they created <laughs> their own perfect storm of, of locking people in their homes because of the coronavirus. And I don't want to go down that rabbit mm-hmm. hole, uh, you know, agree or disagree, mm-hmm. like, People in a lot of these large municipalities were locked in their home for two or three months. Um, this god-awful thing that happened to George Floyd, he was murdered, you know, by the Minneapolis Police Department or whomever, I forget what the official you know, law enforcement agency was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you sort of saw this rage that had just boiled over. People lost their jobs. They had nowhere else to be. They had nowhere else to go. They, they didn't feel like they got... Uh, justice yeah. in that scenario and and it just it was like a powder keg and yes there were opportunists that jumped in and did things like looting and destroying storefronts and stealing things but mm-hmm. you know that doesn't that doesn't negate the overall point that like hey when these things happen it's not right uh you know so i think you just That's saw right. this sort of powder keg of things happening what so sort of coming back to you a little bit though so you you've advocated for for peaceful protesting and like you said your track record mm-hmm. 100% has been nonviolent. Um, what, yep. What's your, what do you, what do you think you can, or what are you trying to overall, like what's your overall goal? What are you trying to accomplish with the protests that you're doing here? And I know recently you were in Baker County and, and some of the areas surrounding clay. Um, what is it that you're trying yeah. to accomplish with, with the protesting that you're doing? What, what sort of changes or, or things do you want to try to have come from the awareness that you're trying to generate? Okay. Um, we, <laughs> Okay, let's. I'll speak for myself. Okay, I don't want to speak for any group of people. Just myself. I, I believe that protesting, as defined, a First Amendment right, is you know, our, our, our given right by this country's founders to go and bring a grievance, grievance before our leaders, and that is very, very sacred. There's a reason it's the First Amendment, right? And so, the number one thing for me is to exercise that right to bring awareness. So. I, my company was a marketing company. I have no background education-wise in marketing, but I was able to pick that up. And so for 10 years, and I learned kind of how the subconscious works. And and what that means is uh, marketing exposure. So when you're exposed to a message, let's say I hate Donald Trump, but I am repeatedly exposed to someone who like is a good Christian and espouses those values that I identify with and likes Donald Trump and talks to me in a really calm, peaceful persistent way, I'm not going to be able to help but to start to like Donald Trump more than I did in the beginning. So the number one thing remains for me is just marketing type kind of awareness, putting the subconscious. If someone's standing there or, you know, multiple people holding a flag, holding a sign, 
silently being peaceful, I believe most people, and, and, and if you have, especially if you have a set of counter protesters over here who are being really angry or hateful or mean, and you're, you contrast that with these, these, these messages of peace, I believe that most people see that on both sides of the aisle. And they're like, uh, you know, they can't, even if they don't agree with the message of Black Lives Matter, they, they subconsciously start to accept it more and move, it moves the needle a little more. So my goal is in the protest, it just remains the number one thing because it's such a, you know, a, a, a conservative area is just to open minds to the idea and the concepts of the civil rights movement of Black Lives Matter. Now, that's the first part, that's awareness, but um, you can't. You know, I think a lot of people rightfully say, I believe that um, it starts with a protest, but then you've got to uh, talk to or vote out and get voted in yourself, right? Or you vote your people in, but people that are already in, cha- in charge so that you can make changes happen. And that's what I was trying to do with Clay County Sheriff's Office. And that's a whole different story. They just basically cut, like, uh, they, they, we had a two and a half hour conversation. I recorded it. They promised a few things. And five hours later, one of those things were broken and they cut off all communication. So when that happens, then you're kind of like back in the streets, right? First of all, you're you know, protesting. What do you do? Right. But um, there's other things that we want to do. So the first thing is awareness, but then it is to get in with policymakers and things like, you know, the controversial taking the word plantation off of Swimming Island Plantation or Oak Leaf Plantation. And while that, you know, for, uh, for a lot of white people, that's really like, that's stupid. You know, it's just a name. But if you are a person of color, a black person, and you have that history, that word has a whole different connotation for you. And it's just one little more jab of a systemic, you know, racist system. Um, so uh, it is to meet with policymakers, get some things changed like that. Um, there is a Cove High, or no, Clay High. I guess it's Clay High yep. in Green Cove. There is a Senior Slave Day. Do you know about that? No, I have not heard yeah. that, but that sounds yeah. like it's probably yeah. not a good idea, just the name by itself. <laughs> Zach Taylor of Keystone High School, he's 18. He's an incredible young man. Um, he, This is kind of like, this was his first issue. Now he's kind of begun, become pretty big in the movement. He's only 18 years old, but he brought some attention first. But yeah, it's, um, you know, and, that, and, and, and even some of the black kids I've talked to have been like, yeah, that was a fun time. But those same black kids to a T have said like, yeah, when I heard that, I'm like, wow, why would they call it that? And what it is, kind of like seniors are, quote, it sounds crazy to even say it. They're auctioned off to the highest bidder. Oh, Lord. And for a day, the senior, that senior is a slave of, like, say, a sophomore that bought him or her. Yeah, that's not good. So you can imagine, you know, and then, so we already have black people, their history is not being taught. I mean, history is taught by the people that, the winners, right? So we have so much black history being not even taught. I'm not even aware. I mean, this has been a massive stream from a fire hose learning for myself and internalizing all these black stories that I'm hearing and I can't let go of the pain, but that's one of them, senior slave day. So to talk to like, if we can go in and talk to um, clay high and like, can you stop this completely or can we change the name or change it a little bit? So it doesn't resemble auctioning off a slave. Right. So that's another way, like, uh, like policy change. But um, another big thing is it all is dialogue, right? So, the same way I met with this guy who was a Blue Lives Matter guy and a friend. Um, that only happens if there's dialogue. So in, in every 
it's, it's, it's awareness from the, the demonstrating in the streets, but it needs to be moved to dialogue, whether that's with the police, uh, county commissioners, policymakers, school board, or dialogue with churches is another big one. I am just like astounded that in, you know, the six weeks or so of doing this, that, um, you know, I've not had a single white pastor reach out to me. We, I think a lot of us have heard that the most segregated day of the week is Sunday, right? Cause you got black churches and white churches and everybody knows that. And so I, it's one of my goals here in the near term. I haven't started it yet is to increase dialogue is to reach out to um, some black church members have reached out to me, but, and then to go in person to white church members and say, Hey, what do you think about a dialogue? I honestly think that uh, it call me crazy pipe dream, but I think we have a chance here to be a model of racial reconciliation. And that reconciliation is really needed because if you've seen the videos on my page, that all of that's right here in Clay County. Um, it's, it's pretty bad. I'll tell you when I asked Sheriff Daniels, I called him one-on-one. Um, now, did he catch me one-on-one tracking my phone? I don't know. But um, I called him. It was just he and I at a gas station, nine, nine o'clock at night. And I asked him, so uh, what do you think? Do you think there's a race problem here? And his answer was, uh, no, I don't think we do. I think that we've got, we got, we've, we've got some people that don't see as many black people. And he gave two areas, Clay Hill and Keystone Heights. Yeah. And he said, but I think they're all good people and, um, and they just don't get to see black people. So they're not exposed as much. Well, I agree. I do agree. They don't get to see black people. And that's part of the black lives matter. Like why we take it deeper into Clay County, not just in Orange Park in the city here, up here. But, um, because I think he's right on that exposure, but I don't actually, I don't, I think he's accurate that they don't see many people of a different race, but he didn't go to the next step and say, and that needs to be addressed. Um, I will strongly disagree with him because right now, uh, you know, we know that the outlaws and the KKK are active in Clay County, in particular in Clay Hill and Keystone Heights. We know there's a man who drives a truck around the little Lake Geneva area of Keystone who flies not a Confederate flag, but a KKK flag. Hmm. So it's very alive and well. Um, so I think, but I do think that we have a chance here, you know, if, we, if dialogue is the key, so that's the key, you know, that's the second part of protest and is to create a dialogue where we can kind of become even a national model for reconciliation of race. I like that. Uh-huh. Man. Oh, we could talk all day about that. That what you just mentioned in uh, yeah. Keystone about the, the KKK being active. But I, I think, you know, um, I think what you're saying, you know, sort of hits the nail on the head. So like I, I had a very different sort of upbringing than I think a lot of folks that are, that are in Clay County. Uh, my dad was in the Navy. We, we moved all over the Eastern sort of seaboard as he got different orders when I was a kid and every school I went to, it was normal to see sort of a sea of different skin colors, right? Like it, just different mm-hmm. people from different backgrounds, different races, different, uh, languages and in a lot of a lot of cases and it became this sort of thing where as you talk to people like you became less scared of their differences right uh, yeah. people mm-hmm. uh, you know most people are afraid of what's different they're afraid of things that aren't the same as them things that they don't understand makes people sort of worried and, and fearful well if it's different is it is it dangerous like is it bad is it is it you know and, and I'm not saying that's a good mm-hmm. way to react but a lot of people react that way right so, you know, yeah. I, I just remember growing up 
uh, first time we moved back sort of to the one of the parts of Florida that was more like the deep south where it was very much like, yes, there were white people and people of color in the school, but they didn't mix, right? And it was very much like, we don't talk to them, they don't talk to us. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid being puzzled, right? Because I'd spent like mm-hmm. my entire life just around people and people were just people. And you heard like stupid things here and there, but like I, I think partly because my parents sort of – you know, I, I remember my parents telling me from an early age that, like, yes, people are different, but, like, that's okay. God made everybody, right? Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, sort of, I have some deeply held religious beliefs, and I'm, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. uh, speak for you at all in any of this stuff. But, you know, Jesus wasn't a white guy, right? Like, you right. know, and when you go mm-hmm. back to the sort of beliefs I had, like, I can't, I can't reconcile the fact that everybody's made in my, in my beliefs in the, in the image of God and then say that, well, this particular race of people, whatever it is, is – superior to another when we're all sort of created by the same creator of the universe. Right. So I just remember, you know, that being weird. I, I, you know, I graduated from Middlebrook high school. There was a race problem in Middlebrook high school 20 years ago. Right. And 20 years ago, isn't that long? I mean, it feels, it makes me feel old to say I graduated that long ago, Right. but 20 years ago, isn't that far off there? There is definitely, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. There are some people who just haven't been exposed to any culture other than the culture that they've lived in forever their whole life. There's a lot of people in Clay County who've lived where they lived for their almost their entire life, right? And they've been exposed yeah. to what they've been yeah. exposed to. I wouldn't necessarily categorize them as racist. I think they're just exactly right. what you said. They don't encounter anybody who's different. So they don't have an opportunity mm-hmm. to to sort of examine themselves and say, well, why do I assume this about this group of people, right? Everybody has biases. Mm -hmm. I think when you take the word, when people try out the word racism, people get nervous, right? Um, You know, when you start to talk about like, listen, you grew up a certain way, you experienced things a certain way. So your thoughts and what you assume about people when you meet them or situations when you encounter them are sort of molded by how you lived your life as you were growing up and Mm -hmm. as you've gone through your adulthood. And I think, as you expose people to people who are different than them, they start to realize like, huh, you know, I've always thought this, but these people I just talked to aren't anything like that. And you start to mm-hmm. pull yourself out of your own comfort zone, hopefully, you know, and, and I think that's the sort of thing I would love to see happen more in Clay County. I don't know how you, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't envy the task of someone like you trying to uh, do things like that. Do, do you ever see yourself running for office in the County to, to sort of, you know, push some of well, these ideas um, farther? I'll answer that in just a second. I do want to say, like, uh, you know, I hate that other sides, right, the, the concept of sides, but it's kind of where we're at right now in this county and uh, at the entire country level. Um, I, I do want to say that I think that I think that most people in Clay County are really good people. I do think that. When I talk about this deep, um, overt racism problem, I want to be really clear that I think that's a minority, like a really small, I don't want to paint with a broad brushstroke, you know, the the right, the conservative right as these extremists, but those extremists, it's a real problem because it's significant enough that it's like, I've seen it enough personally. Um, Now, but again, I, I, and do I, I also wanted to say this, you know, I don't, so all those other people on on the right, on the the conservative base, I don't think that I, just most people probably don't know this. I was on the other side, really in deep, like strong, strong Republican 20 years ago until probably eight years ago. And I never thought of myself as racist in any ways. Like I, I really thought like, you know, it, anyway, my point is we're all on a journey 
including on both sides, the left and the right, and everything in between. We're all on a journey here together as a country, nationally and individually, and on our racial reconciliation and learning. I just think that a lot of the, like, it's, it's a message, it's a concept of, um, of awareness, and it's peeling back, constantly peeling back layers of unaware. What do I know that I don't know? It's a tricky question. But if you think about it, what, do I, what am I unaware of right. that I'm unaware of? Yeah. It's a second to really process that. Yep. And so I wanted to say that, like, I don't think, I don't, I don't want to demonize the right in a moment, like, of anger or unlike every other human emotion, I might say something, right, that I don't really believe or paint a picture or be, say something sardonic, sarcastic about someone, like, paint them with a broad brushstroke. I think that's all of us in politics in this heated country right now because we're all humans. Right. Um, but in my core, I don't think that, you know, the other side of the right, I think they're mostly good people. So I want to go on the record there. And that's not just BS, political BS. It's really what I believe. Um, so to answer your question, though, about uh, political office, uh, you know, for the first time I've thought about it, but a couple of days ago, a friend said, yeah, you really should. Um, so I've thought about it. Uh, I don't think that my values would match up with the Republican values in Clay County, Florida. So I would probably have to run a Democrat or, or an independent who's, you know, who's, I guess, pretending to be independent. But um, I, my values are more closely, not 100%. I mean, on the Second Amendment, I'm probably with you, much more closely aligned with you, right. for instance. But um, so, uh, yeah, I thought about it. And in the county here, maybe, yeah, yeah, it'd be, uh, uh, yeah, I, people have talked about it before, but I never really thought about it. But I would be as a Democrat. And so what that means right now is I'd probably be putting myself out there to, to lose the first time, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, because it's such a conservative county. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you know, I, talking to a lot of people in the county as I've been doing a lot of interviews with candidates that are running for office. Um, I, I think that the Republican party here in Clay County is filled with a lot of folks who would probably, um, categorize themselves as being more of a Democrat than a Republican. Um, but because this mm -hmm. county has been so traditionally heavy with Republicans and we have this, you know, system, the primary system in Florida where a primary can be closed uh, via a write-in candidate, um, I think a lot of people register as Republicans. Like, I'm registered as a Republican, but I, I don't, you know, mm -hmm. I don't really feel like my political views fit with any of the, the major three parties, the Libertarians, the Republicans, or um, you know, mm -hmm. the Democrats, the Democrats and I don't agree on, uh, gun control. Um, you know, the Republicans and I don't agree on things like, you know, uh, police reform, uh, libertarians and I don't agree on abortion, right? I'm, I'm very staunchly mm -hmm. uh, pro-life and, and, you know, uh, people are entitled to their different opinion on that, but I also, I'm anti-death penalty and, you know, so I have all these views that I, I try mm -hmm. to reason and say, here's what I believe and why I believe it. And, and I'm, I, I guess the older I get, the less I'm concerned about fitting into any particular political tribe. But, but I yeah. do think that there need to be more people who aren't Republicans running for office in Clay County. If for nothing else, I don't think the Republicans that run are challenged enough by ideas that aren't very similar right. to their own. Um, and right. and, and I, I would love to see, you know, more people run. And I, it'd be interesting to see what would happen if you were to campaign, you know, for, for one of the various offices. Yeah. If I did something like that, um, or you know, my full support and backing behind you know someone in, in in our local Black Lives Matter civil rights movement, it would be uh, not necessary to win that first time. We'd try to win, you know, whoever's running. But 
it would be to move that needle. It's, it's always about moving that needle more to um, dialogue and acceptance and exposure to other people, groups, and cultures and language. You know, just right. move the needle more to, I, I call it, you know, more to love and acceptance. Sure. I think so, from a political yeah. perspective, too, I think the, the, the more you have uh, people on the left and right running for office and debating their ideas, the more things move toward the center. And I think the center is where government and good governance comes from, right? Where we're mm-hmm. taking into yep. account, you know, the needs of the majority of people exactly. and people feel heard, you know. So, yeah, yeah I agree with you there. I think uh, there's value in people that aren't Republicans running more often. Yeah, you say basically because, um, I mean, it's just kind of a rubber stamp around here, right? Like so frequently because when the Republican wins, I mean, the primary, that person's going to be in government, right? Because it's just kind of a rubber stamp. So yeah, your point to have other ideas tossed out there, again, just pure marketing and awareness and exposure. Even if people don't agree with those ideas, they've now been exposed to them for maybe the first, second, or third time. And it pushes that needle a little more to the center. Yep. I agree. All right. One last question for you, because I know your time is valuable and I don't want to take up too much of it. Um, You know, give me just a a quick sort of a pitch. If Kevin Connor is in charge of the future of Clay County, what does the the best possible future for our county look like under, uh, you know, your vision for it? Um, I would say (sighs) racial reconciliation is is a big thing. I think a lot of I mean, I think that there are problems, but so many people say, we don't have any problems here. So I think you can't fix a problem that you don't acknowledge exists yet. So the first thing would be like, if I was in charge, I would acknowledge and say, hey, here's all the evidence. Look at this. We actually have, we don't talk to each other. Um, Our black people don't feel safe. They don't feel safe to call the police. I've heard that. And when one of us is hurt like that, all of us are actually hurt, even if we're not aware of it. So that would, I would, I would, I mean, if I had control over the sheriff's office, I would look at the policies of jail just being in there 24 hours. I was exposed to some things that I think aren't perfect and no institution is. And so I would would fix some of those things. Um, I. Josh. Hey, what was that? That was weird. Yeah. We could talk about that. We could do a whole nother show about that kind of stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you heard that too? Yeah, man. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not wild to me. That's common. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that could be a whole other show, right? Um, but the sheriff's office, of course, I would, I would seek to um, overhaul, uh, or excuse me, evaluate first and overhaul that which needed to be overhauled. Um, I am not that aware of how our county commissioners work, how frequently they meet, how those meetings go to conservative sure. county. So I have my judgment without knowledge, right? right. Um, making a judgment. But I, so I, I can't speak completely on that, but I, I, I'm just trying to say the things that I am aware of and, and what I would try to change. Yeah, and it would be also like a, a dialogue between the churches. You know, like I say, if I could, if I had that bully pulpit and I was in charge, I would say, hey, let's create a dialogue here with black and white churches as well. Cool, man. Yeah, I think, you know, the more people talk to each other, the more people get to know each other, the, the better better things generally turn out. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think that's good. So, yeah. you know, once again, uh, you know, I appreciate your time tonight, man, and I, I wish you best of luck in the future and everything you're trying to accomplish. All right. Thank you so much, Josh, for having me. I appreciate it.